Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Because That's What Heroes Do. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy the series. In this episode, we take a look at Captain Mark. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Megan Doherty for episode two in our exploration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Today, we are back continuing our new challenge where we're going to review the MCU, that's the entire MCU, on popcorn and compliance. Why? Well, because it's there. (laughs) And or we're uber geeks. I don't know which. But if you're an uber MCU geek and you want to come on and talk about a pod or rather a movie on a pod, let us know. We're going to review these films as they appear in chronological order in the MCU timeline, not by release date. So today we are at number two with Captain Marvel. So um, I'm your co-host, Tom Fox. I'm the founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and big fan of today's topic, Captain Marvel. So uh, let me uh, go through, uh, give a little synopsis here, Megan. In 1995, on the Kree Empire's capital planet of Hala, Star Force, Star Force member Vers, who suffers from amnesia and recurring nightmares about an older woman, Yan Rog, who's her mentor and commander, trains uh, to control her abilities while the supreme intelligence and artificial intelligence that rules the Kree urges her to keep her emotions intact. During a mission to rescue an undercover operative infiltrating the arch enemy of the Kree, this is the Skulls, and they are alien shapeshifters, Vers is captured by the Skrull commander Talos. Uh, a probe of Vers' memories leads them to Earth, and Vers escapes and crash lands in Los Angeles, where they have just a hugely fun experience. Her presence attracts... Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents Nick Fury and Phil Coulson, whose investigation is interrupted by a Skrull attack. Verse recovers a crystal containing her extracted memories. In the ensuing chase, uh, Fury kills a Skrull impersonating Phil Coulson. Talos, described as, or rather disguised as Fury's boss, orders Fury to work with Verse and keeps tab on, tabs on her. Using her extracted memories, Vers and Fury go to Project Pegasus installation at a U.S. Air Force base. <clears throat> they discover Vers was a pilot presumed to have been killed in a crash in 1989 while testing an experimental light speed engine designed by Dr. Wendy Lawson, 
whom Verz recognizes as a woman from her nightmares. Fury informs S.H.I.E.L.D. of their location, and a hit squad arrives. Fury realizes that Keller is actually Talos and helps Verz escape in a jet with the uh, Lawson stowaway cat, Goose. More on Goose later. They fly to Louisiana to meet former pilot Maria Rambeau, the last person to see Verz and Lawson alive. Rambeau and her daughter Monica reveal that Verz is Carol Danvers, who was once like family to them. Talos arrives unarmed and explains that the Skrulls are refugees searching a new home, and Lawson is a Marvell, or was Marvell, a renegade Cree scientist who is helping them. Talos plays a recovered black box recording from Lawson's jet, prompting Danvers to remember the crash. And she now remembers that it was Jan Rog, her mentor uh, back on Hala, who killed Marvell to prevent her from destroying the engine before the Kree could recover it. However, in destroying the engine, Danvers absorbed the energy from the explosion, gaining her powers but losing her memory. Danvers, Talos, Fury, and Rambeau locate uh, Lawson's cloaked laboratory uh, circling Earth. There are several scrolls, including Talos's family and a tesseract, which we learned about in our first episode. It's the power source of Lawson's engine. <clears throat> there, Danvers is captured by Star Force and interfaces with the Supreme Intelligence. Danvers removes a Kree implant that suppressed her powers and in one kick-ass fight scene uh, <laughs> defeats them all. Fury retrieves Goose and Goose is revealed to be an alien. Who swallows the Tesseract, scratches Fury, blinding him, and we find out why he lost his eye. And Danvers then destroys a Kree bomber, forcing the Kree officer Ronan the Accuser and his squadron to retreat. Danvers then overpowers Jan Rog, sends him back to Hollow with a warning for the Supreme Intelligence. She then departs the Skrulls to help them find a new homeworld, leaving Fury with a modified pager, which we see much, much later. <coughs> and that pager is used to call her in case of an emergency. So a lot to unpack there, Megan. What did you see? What were some of the top story points for you? Uh, the big themes um, that I kept really coming back to seeing again and again, of course, of, of memory and how what we remember and how you know, we feel about our memories, impact what we do and what we think and who we believe and all of these things. And on also um, the idea of emotional restraint versus really feeling and using your emotions. So I thought that was a really um, fun and interesting thing that they, they kind of went back to again and again uh, with extremely satisfying results at the end, which we can, you know, talk a little bit more, I think, about at the end. Um, this was such a fun movie. Like, I, I think it kind of gets gets ragged on a little bit in the, the MCU. It's not one of the, the favorites. Um, but what a great soundtrack. What great fight scenes. What great graphics. Uh, and it's got the MCU sense of humor. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, so they played a lot with, you know, fish out of water for, um, you know, Veers is an alien who is on Earth. And, oh, look, at all, doesn't understand what a blockbuster is. Absolutely hilarious. Um getting to know Agent Fury, the rookie Agent Coulson. Um, all told, I think it was a riot of a film. Uh, just super, super enjoyable to watch. Uh, and I'm always here for uh, any superhero, but especially a woman superhero who's just like, oh, 
I've got superpowers, rad, rather than being all tortured about it. Um, so I think that was great. <laughs> what about yourself? What were your, your main plot points, the things you liked the most? Well, uh, sort of like in uh, episode one, the um, I love action. I love science fiction. And when you can wed those two together, it's uh, always a big plus for me. <clears throat> but um, the um, there was so much about uh, the backstory as it unfolded. Some of that is many times as I've watched it, uh, particularly when they went to um, on the mis- uh, rescue mission, uh, infiltrating the group of uh, scrolls. Um, that, that part still is, um, a little unclear to me, uh, but it didn't, uh, release or, or take away, uh, from how much I enjoyed the movie, uh, the going back in time to the late 1980s was, was very cool. And seeing the, how Nick Fury, uh, came up with the idea of the Avengers and that he was able to Mm -hmm. foresee, uh, things down the road that uh, many people weren't seeing at the time. In fact, most people <clears throat> weren't seeing, I thought was, uh, was pretty cool. Captain Marvel has a set of superpowers that are second to none, and <clears throat> she can do some serious whoop-ass. She's just so into it. She's just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, the whole <clears throat> Louisiana scene I thought was <clears throat> not simply uh, great storytelling, but really pretty touching particularly when um, uh, Maria um, recognizes her and sees a friend she hadn't seen for, I guess, 25 years at that point. And the, um, uh, that was very cool. The scrolls, when we find out they're really not the enemy, <clears throat> they're not the oppressor, they're the oppressed. Heartbreaking. And the whole family uh, was pretty cool. Obviously, um, when she uh, defeats Yon Rog, but doesn't kill him, spares him, so uh, she can send him back to the Cree homeworld. Uh, Ronan the Accuser is a very, very minor character in uh, the entire MCU, but he is a bad dude. And when you can get him to back off, I think it's it's always best for the universe. But there were some really cool cookies in this. Uh, were, what were some of your top cookies, Megan? Uh, one of the um, well, just on uh, uh, I guess well, the topic of you know that family and that friendship. Um, so that kind of non traditional family structure. You know, it was uh, Maria and Carol who you know they'd gone, they'd become test fighter pilots um, together. Uh, and hugely difficult to do. Um, I love the way they connect to each o- with each other. Um, I love that. Uh, Carol nicknamed little Monica Lieutenant Trouble. That was pretty adorable. Um, the little scene where it was right before they go on the big mission and they, they're convincing Maria to go along with them. And Monica's saying, you know, Mom, you can't miss the coolest mission of all time to hang out and watch French Prince, French Prince with me. I remember watching that in 95. Um, you should really consider what kind of example you're setting for your daughter. Just absolute win. That was a delight. Um, nice call out to uh, Blockbuster. Um, may it rest in peace. Uh, that was a really fun way to open up the show. Um, and I loved Agent Coulson because that's when he kind of, he like, obviously it was the first time we were introduced to him. Um, 
but you know, right from the beginning, he knew to trust Fury and not necessarily the rest of the feds or the rest of the, the organization. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, Goose the cat uh, was fantastic. The flurkin was a brilliant idea, whoever came up with it, um, because he really did just look like a very good kitty. What about yourself? What were some of your favorites? Number one on the list is the shout out to Star Trek. Yes. Be- because the uh, name Talos uh, comes from the uh, pilot of Star Trek and the movie The Cage, or the, rather the episode called The Cage. And Talos was the planet where the Talosians lived, where the Enterprise went and they did some Talosian mind tricks on them. And Talos was banned. Every General Order number four prevented any contact with the planet Talos. And that lasted for hundreds of years. So um, I I just love that initial reference. Uh, You said Blockbuster, but right next to the Blockbuster was Radio Shack. Oh, true. We still have Radio Shack, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Radio Shack still exists. um, And uh, in fact, there's one in Kerrville. Uh, But uh, not too many and certainly not as ubiquitous as they were. They're called La Source in Quebec. I grew up. Absolutely loving Radio Shack. I went there every weekend. And um, so having a Radio Shack was extraordinarily cool. Mm-hmm. I, too, liked uh, the Coulson um, character and being in this movie, but actually a little bit different reason than you had, Megan, which was we were introduced to Coulson in the first release uh, in the MCU, which was Iron Man. And the character he played there uh, really was uh, not a strong character, I thought, and not somebody who was going to have uh, any significant role going forward, just a bureaucrat, basically. Well, it turns out that's not quite true. And uh, Phil was actually, a, if not the action hero, a, a action hero. So I like that part. Um, in the scene in Louisiana <laughs> where they played back the flight recorder, They played it on a compact disc and everybody knows what a compact disc is now, but, um, (laughs) in 1989, they were just new. And even I hadn't converted my albums over to CDs then. So, uh, but it was coming. And then the last one, I have to say, it may be my favorite cookie of all time. And that's Poncho's Bar. Poncho's bar was the bar outside the uh, Air Force Base. And that's where uh, uh, they went when they were going to the, or I guess Fury met her there. Well, Poncho was a real character. And Poncho had Poncho's bar. And it was near the top secret U.S. Air Force Base um, in the uh, California slash Nevada desert. And she served uh, all of those flight boys uh, from Chuck Yeager all the way forward, all the test pilots, they all drank at Poncho's Bar. And so I thought that was a huge honor and homage to a character who knew every test pilot literally from the 40s to the 60s, uh, was as big a part of their culture as anyone. A few of us remember her now because of uh, her being written and talked about. Uh, but she's a, you know, a really minor player and she just, she's a barkeep and she s- served up tap beer 
And those boys drank that tap beer. So shout out to Poncho. And I loved the, and they even had pictures of those X1 planes up on the wall um, about, and which was, you know, the, the test uh, the plane that broke uh, the sound barrier that Chuck Yeager flew in 1948. So I thought that was a, a very, very cool one. So we had a lot of action. Uh, we didn't have really a love interest or love scenes like we had in uh, Captain America. We did have some some pretty tender moments. And for me, Megan, the most tender was when uh, the Skrulls uh, were um, kind of reunited with their family, particularly Tal- Talos, and that whole scene. And we saw a family dynamic there that literally went across the universe. Any any of those sorts of poignant scenes for you in this uh, movie as well? Yeah, I think for me, the one, uh, the big one was was right at the end. And that's when uh, Ron Yog is uh, coming down to find, I guess, the final showdown with, uh, you know, Carol Danvers, who's now Captain Marvel. And he starts with, I'm so proud of you. I knew you could do this. I always thought you had it in you. Now you have to prove yourself to me and fight me one-on-one. And she just blasts him into the mountain. I'm sure not every woman has had the experience of some dude saying, oh, I'm so proud now do things the way I want you to. But like enough of us had that. I bet that was a pretty broadly appreciated moment in cinematic history. So that that just felt great. (laughs) Watching it was, I don't have to prove anything to you. Darn right. You don't, you just go fly around saving the universe as you do. So I think that was, that was for me, one of the most gratifying uh, uh, moments. And it was just, it was nice to see. I think I like the setup at the end as much as any part of the movie. Um, and I mean, that's straight out of Batman. Well, you know, the, the bat signal, we're going to put a universal universe <laughs> bat signal here for you. Well, how will you know when we need you? Well, we've got a light, we've got a flashlight, we've got a torch and we're going to light it. And that was, uh, <laughs> that was so cool. And then, you know, and the it was after the credits when they really focused on that. But when she returns and she comes in and there's a group of the Avengers there and they were like, who are you? And I'm the most powerful being in the universe. Who the F do you think I am? Uh, you know, and I just that was so cool because they had no idea who she was or, or where she had come from. And, you know, Fury knew all along. Fun fact, um, Brie Larson, um, who plays Captain Marvel, uh, that was her first scene is that that meeting of the other um, Avengers. There was no one in the room when she was filming that. She had no idea who the actor was going to be. So she was actually <laughs> talking to, it was just tape and green screen <laughs> that she filmed that with. Uh, so I thought that was a fun little little thing. They kept it quiet, even from her. Uh, the other thing, uh, this was the first certainly MCU movie where uh, the Supreme being was artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, that's become a, a little bit more of a storyline in more science fiction movies and television shows. But I'm always intrigued when you have an AI, they typically uh, respond logically and in a logical progression. And usually the humans defeat them because they do something humanish, whether it's stupid, whether it's unexpected or whatever. Uh, but here you saw the AI on a, a very straightforward plan and path and that you know, destruction of the earth was going to be next because they were now big enough or dangerous enough. And um, so I'm always intrigued when uh, the Supreme Being is an AI and people are blindly following a machine, which would be antithetical to us. But if you'd lived that way for hundreds of years, 
maybe you think God is a machine, or I didn't get the memo that Skynet is now self-aware and I need to start worrying about that. So uh, I really enjoyed that that part of it as well. I also found great humor in the Louisiana scenes mm-hmm. uh, where Danvers finds out about herself and the, and with the line you quoted you know, you're going to watch Fresh Prince or you're going to save the universe, Mom. Get real. And the, the, the Danvers-Fury uh, relationship was fantastic. Like, they were great. They, they met as, as basically equals and then never let that, that go. I thought they had just such a fun banter between them. You know, that's interesting because I think she's the only one he treats as an equal throughout the series. That could very well be true. She does have photon hands. <laughs> From Iron Man. Yeah. Captain America, none of them. Black Widow, none of them. They're, I don't want to say they're hi- mm-hmm. they're the hired help, but they work for him. And um, even the Hulk or you know Bruce Banner, that's that's a great observation. You're, you're mm-hmm. you know he treated her different, obviously because she was the first, but it's also he wasn't Nick Fury. Or just Fury, was just <laughs> you know <laughs> little Nick Fury. Yeah, two eyed Nick Fury as opposed to one eyed. Nick Fury. So that's a great observation. Um, I'm going to have to now rewatch some at the end with an eye towards the way he interacted with her. Yeah. Cause like they, they totally have buddy cop things going on. I, I would watch another movie of just the two of them hanging out, doing stuff. <laughs> so Megan, we're now through two and um, it's already been a ton of fun. Um, I can't wait to see what we have next. So I'm, yeah, I'm Tom Fox, uh, along with Megan Doherty, uh, with Popcorn and Compliance, the entire MCU. We'll see you next time. This is Tom Fox. I hope you enjoyed this second episode of the exploration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Tom Fox and Megan Doherty. I'm Tom Fox, founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of Compliance. Megan is the co-founder of One Stone Creative. I hope you will join us again in our next episode where we take up the first release of a movie in the MCU, which was Iron Man, although it's not first in chronological order. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll join us again. Popcorn and Compliance is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.